We began looking at Acts chapter 20 last week, and we are going to look again at, at some of the verses that we've already um, looked at briefly. But we come to a place, and the, the reason why I want to look at it again is because you have a section of Scripture in which Paul is speaking specifically to the elders of the church of Ephesus. And as we look at the text before us from verse 17 through the end of the chapter, you see in, in verse 25 where he sees, says, And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. He says again, towards the end of the chapter, in verse 37, Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that he would see his, that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. We, we are at a place in, in this passage of Scripture in which Paul is speaking to this group of elders. He calls for them, being that he didn't have time to go through Ephesus. He calls for them to meet him there in this location and says, this is the last time you're going to see me. This is the last time that you're going to see my face. He's no longer going to be pastoring there at that church. He's no longer going to be serving with them on a regular basis. We find out later that he ends up actually going back to this particular area later on. But that wasn't known to him. In his mind, there's no way to FaceTime anybody. There's no way to, to be able to, to take a, a quick flight over or anything like that. In his mind, it's just, I am here now for the last time. You will see my face no more. And we find him going to this particular group of elders of a church in which he loves, wanting to give them final words that he could speak to them. If he's never to see them again, this is what I want to say. I think it's precious as you, as you look at this and, and think of that. There's, there may be times in which you've had final words with, with somebody or, or you knew that you were going to be going to a totally different location and you were not going to be seeing these people again on a regular basis. There's been times for me in which I've gone to areas that are more dangerous when I travel. And, and I think carefully about the words that I, I share with my wife or my kids before I go to those areas or even write letters to them before I leave and, and have it be where they, they will not get these letters unless something happens to me there. And I know that, that, that in those times in which those letters are written, um, there, there's tears. There's been times in, in the past where We've done trips. I remember with Pastor Andy when he was playing soccer on that, that team that went to, to Sudan, to Khartoum. It was mandatory that all the players were to write letters to their families as if they were not going to return. And, and I wrote one myself. And when you write those kind of letters, it's, it's difficult to, to think, what, what are my final words going to be to my family? Well, what is it that I would say? What are the things that are the most important things to share? And so you find this here with, with Paul where he knows, like I, in his mind, I will, I will never see you again. Here's the things that I want to share with you as a church. These are the things that are the most important things for me to share. This is what I want to just sink here with you, to, that, 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 that you take with you and that, that this becomes a part of all that you do as far as like my final exhortation to you elders who are leading this church in Ephesus. And so in verse 17, it says, From Miletus, he, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. 
leaders that are there. And he says, it says, it says in verse 18, and when they had come to him, he said to them, you know from the very first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. You know how I've been with you. You know the relationship that I have with you. I served the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. I served the Lord with humility. When you think of how I was amongst you, the way that I've always been with you, there was humility that was there. Now here's the Apostle Paul, one in whom is well known, one in whom has preached all over the place, one in whom has planted churches in all kinds of areas, and one in whom is an apostle. And he says, nevertheless, I served you with humility. For the elders of this particular church, there is no place for pride. There's no place for thinking much of themselves. There's no place of being wanting to be the next celebrity pastor or anything like that. There's no place for anything like that. He says, I just served you with humility. I was in a place where I, I just came in, in, in as Christ washed feet. That was my heart in serving you. There was a young Scottish preacher, a story of one who confidently came up to the pulpit on a Sunday, just full of, of, of self-esteem and pride. He preached a sermon. In the midst of the sermon, he became um, confused and, and forgot what he was going to say and humiliated and just came to a place of just at a loss of what the sermon should have been. And he walked down those stairs back to his pew, completely humbled, humiliated. There was an old Scottish elder that was there and he said to him, young man, if you'd gone up the way you came down, you'd have been able to have come down the way you went up. <laughs> you went up with so much pride. If you'd have gone up with just some humility, it could have been a wonderful sermon for the congregation. Humility should be a part of, of, of every leader within the church as well as amongst all of us as believers. He served them with tears as well. Not just tears, it tells us with many tears. Tears that were there because he loved this congregation. He loved these people. He cared for these people. He wanted them to, to follow Christ and to follow his lordship and to be passionate about the gospel and to stir up the gifts that they had and to fight hard against the principalities and powers that were there to destroy. And, and he, he wanted them to be in a place where the families were strong and they were strong within the community and they were shining brightly throughout the world. And... He served them with tears, many tears, trials that were there in, in, in his life. Nobody would have wondered whether Paul had an easy life. In verse 20, he says, How I, I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you, and taught you publicly and from house to house. This was just a, a part of everything that he did. Is, is, it was the public proclamation of the word. Preach the word. Proclaim the word taught it even from house to house and he says i i kept back nothing that was helpful nothing i faithfully preached the word it's been brought up to me at times like how do you know what you're gonna do your next sermon on and my answer is whatever's the next section in our text we go and 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 whatever's the next area of of scripture that we left off with the week before 
we'll go to the next section of Scripture and, and we'll look at whatever the main thought is of that section. Sometimes it's a verse, sometimes it's 10 verses, sometimes it's a chapter. And we look and we say, what's the main thought of that text? And let's preach that. And we go through Scripture and we go verse by verse through the entirety of a book and we study like that in an expository fashion because I don't want to hold back on on certain parts of the word or just preach on those things which are my most favorite things to preach on but to be able to go through and to go verse by verse and say thus saith the lord this is what he said we are going to study all the way through the book it's a great place to to be and for for us as 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 times where you move to other areas or you find yourself in different places this is why we do what we do and we go verse by verse so that it's not a matter of i'll preach these 20 sermons or these 200 sermons and go to another church and preach the same 200 sermons again it's just what does the text say let's go verse by verse and let's go book by book and let's go through scripture and study it so we know what god says in his word because for us as pastors it's not a matter of coming up with some new original thought it's a matter of what does the text say what does god say let's go verse by verse and let's study it in its entirety and he says i kept back nothing that was helpful even the things that were more difficult to talk about there's things in this life that no one wants to talk about they're difficult to talk about. Confronting sin. People don't want to talk about confronting sin. People don't want to talk about repentance. People don't want to talk about hell. Yet Scripture talks about these things, and Scripture talks about things that are not politically correct, and yet they're in Scripture, and they're there for a reason, so that we don't just listen to things that we want to listen to, but we listen to the full counsel of God's Word, and that's what Paul was doing. For him, when he's leaving this church, these elders or something, it's have humility, love with tears, know that trials will come, and keep back nothing that's helpful. Proclaim the word, and we'll continue to look at that as he reiterates it again in a few moments. But we find that this is what he did. He preached the word. Think of the responsibility of pastors and elders. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says that he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He gave gifted certain people for ministry. And the reason was so that he could equip the saints, equip them with what they needed to know through the pages of Scripture build them up, edify them, to build up the body of Christ that we would be strong, that we'd have a huge view of God, that we'd be able to think biblically on things and worship properly with the proper heart and all these things. And so this is what his calling was to pastors and elders. In 2 Timothy 2.15, he tells young Timothy, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Where should we be ashamed if we're not rightly dividing the word of truth? For, for me, I, I, I spend my time studying scripture that I might rightly divide God's word. What is it that it says? What is it that the text means? And then look into how does it apply to each one of us today? But first, what does it mean? Rightly dividing the word of truth. Verse 21, testifying to the Jews and also to Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. He taught everybody, right? He taught the Jews, he taught the Greeks. 
It wasn't that he was just focusing on one particular group of people, but he was there to minister to everybody, to all of them. His message to the Ephesian elders is minister to everybody. Let there not be division that's there within the body based on whether they're Jews or Greeks. Preach to everybody. And preach repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance. Part of the message in which he's calling them to proclaim is repentance. It's not just, okay, believe this and then live however you want. It's repent. There's a call of of repentance. It's not a call to say, okay, who wants to go to heaven? Anybody want to go to heaven? Everybody raises their hands. Okay, let's pray now that you go to heaven. the, the, The calling here is repentance. It begins with repentance of sin. Looking and recognizing that you're a sinner. A sinner at, allowing the word to be such that the Holy Spirit speaks to you, showing you like a mirror, I have failed. I have sinned. I fall short of what God has called me to. I'm in desperate, desperate need of a Savior. Calling the congregation, calling sinners towards repentance. He says, this is the message, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ, believing in him. He taught them biblically to understand the fullness of the gospel with salvation coming through faith in Christ alone. And so he says, from there and now, and see now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. Not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. We looked at this briefly last week, but I want to reiterate it again this morning. Here, Paul's speaking to these elders, saying, this is the way in which I live. I'm going... I'm going from this place, I'm going bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem. I'm going to Jerusalem, and I don't know what's going to happen to me there. It's a journey that I'm taking, and, and I'm, I'm just not sure my next steps. It's like there's, there's a blanket that's over my head, and all I can see is the, the few feet that are in front of me, and I don't know what my path looks like. I don't know what is going to be around the next corner, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city. It's not just one time, but in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. What's in store for me is persecution. What's in store for me is hardship. What's in store for me is, is being in a prison cell. What's in store for me is cold, cold nights and wanting a, a, a cloak to put around myself. What, what's in store for me is depending upon people to bring me food. What's in store for me is beatings. What's in store for me is, is being whipped. What's in store for me is, is being taken away from my friends, being taken away from my family. The, I don't know exactly what's going to happen to me, but I know that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city saying that change and tribulations await me. And so he tells this to the elders. But none of this moves me. It doesn't stop me from what my next step is going to be. I just want to be right where the Holy Spirit calls me to be. It doesn't move me. 
I don't count my, my life dear to myself. It's not about me. It's not about my comforts. It's not about whether I'm, I'm in a happy place where it's just things are great. It's what has God called me towards? Brothers and sisters, I think this is so different than what most people in our country think. We want things comfortable, don't we? We, we live in an era in which when we are hungry, we get food. When we are hungry, we pick whether we want Indian, Chinese, a hamburger, Italian, sushi, whatever it is. What, what, what do I want to eat? We pick and choose when it's hot, we put on the air conditioning. When it's cold, we put on the heater. We think of retirement in such a way of how do we make it so that we get to just be comfortable and have every single thing that we could possibly need and more. How do we plan for all of these things? How do we make it so it's just as good as it could possibly be for us, so we're as comfortable as we could possibly be, so we could just die in such a way in which we had everything? And I, I think planning for retirement is good. We, we tried to plan for retirement. We tried to think that way. We tried to be in a place where we're planning ahead. There's wisdom that's in that. But I, I think it's important that, that our minds learn to think more biblically than in a worldly sense. Here's this man saying, the Holy Spirit tells me that chains and tribulations await me. But it doesn't move me. I don't count my life dear to myself. And the reason is, is he says, because I want to finish my race with joy. So the reason why he doesn't count his life dear to himself, the reason why he's going to go someplace where chains and tribulations await him is because he doesn't want to finish the race with no joy. See, that, that's where the lie is. The lie is, get everything. And then you'll get finished the race with joy. You'll have plenty of money for your kids to put you in a really nice convalescent home. <laughs> Make it so it's like that. Make it so there's nice people around you so they don't have to come visit you very often. Let's make it so that it's like that. Save up enough so that, you know. And so we think that way. We move that way. This is what it would be to finish with joy. But that's not the way that the Apostle Paul thinks. And his mind is, my joy comes from being right where God wants me to be. My joy comes with stirring up the gifts that God's given me. My, com my joy comes from finishing this race that God's given me and having it be where, where I'm doing what he wants me to do. And, and, and the text tells us that what the Holy Spirit is, is, is telling him to do is the ministry which he received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. To tell people about the gospel of the grace of God. So if, if he's running this race and there's chains and tribulations that await him and he's going to be in prison and it's going to be difficult and there's going to be cold nights and there's going to be hunger and there's going to be being left out at sea and there's going to be beatings and there's going to be lashings and there's going to be attempts to stone him to death and all of these things and this is the race that he's running. He doesn't care as long as it is that he is testifying to the gospel of the grace of God. Whatever comes by my path, I just want to finish the race with joy. And that means I'm telling as many people about Christ and the gospel as I possibly can. 
On the way to school the other day, dropping the kids off at school, Jonathan and Natalie and I had a little conversation just about why I never went and lived permanently overseas someplace. And the answer was, well, I believe that God's called me to be here. There was times in which I really wanted to go, but that God called me to be here. And we started talking about the gospel and ministering the gospel. And talking about if, if we properly teach the word and we're ministering to people, how, how sweet would it be if, if there were multiple people going to the uttermost parts of the world to proclaim the gospel? I think of, of missionaries that I see overseas. One is a young lady named Charity that had just a passion to move to South Sudan when she was, was about 15 years old, 14 or 15 years old, just passion. I'm moving to South Sudan. And she turned 18. And the first thing she did was move to South Sudan. From there, she ended up going and studying medicine in India and then going right back to South Sudan and lived there for gosh, over a decade, serving in South Sudan. Young, single girls. She's now married and living in, in Holland and husband's wonderful. I pastored the wedding that was over there and she's still, I call her like, you know, or, or send her messages and what's going on? Well, I haven't told my parents yet, don't say anything, but going to Afghanistan next week, you know? It's just her heart. Just, I, I look at her and I think, how amazing. I mean, like, if you saw where she was at, okay? Like, I went there, I think we spent like less than a week there, five days there in that particular area. Brothers and sisters, I, I couldn't wait to get out of there. I couldn't wait. I, it was so hot. It was so incredibly, miserably hot. And it was so outside of my comfort zone. I mean, you're, you're, you're 30 miles south of Darfur in Sudan. There's bad people that are all around you that want to hurt you. She's there. They made their own medical clinic. We, we walked to the river to see the river. And, and there was some... Serious fatigue going back and forth one time to the river. They went back and forth all day long to get mud so they could go and make bricks so they could take those bricks and make them to build their medical clinic. Two single girls in South Sudan serving there. And I look at that and and I think it's awesome. When you see what took place, you know God called them there and God used it in just an incredible way for the purpose of the gospel. At the same time, I would be scared to death to be a dad and have my little girl over there. You know, like the idea of like, yes, sweetie, go. I mean, in my mind, it's like, okay, well, if you're called there, then I'm called there too. (laughs) Because God wouldn't send you there without me going with you to do everything I could to protect you. Because that's just the way my brain would work. And yet I pray that we would produce within our church, a congregation, young people that look and say, I'll let goods and kindred go in this mortal life also. I'll do that. I'll be in a place where it's just, I'll go to Jerusalem not knowing what's going to happen to me, but only that the Holy Spirit testifies that change and tribulations await me. But it doesn't move me, and I don't count my life dear to myself because I want to finish the race with joy. And if that means going to unreached people groups, then I'll go to unreached people groups. If that means going to areas that are more dangerous, I'll go to areas that are more dangerous. If that means giving and helping people to go in that direction, then I'll give to help people go in that direction. I pray that we would produce a people here who esteem Christ so greatly that we let goods and kindred go this mortal life also 
the body they may kill. His truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Right? As the Martin Luther said. As he penned the hymn. May we think like that. And so he says here, and indeed, now I, I know that you all among whom I've gone preaching this kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock. Here's my encouragement to you. Take heed to yourself. To yourselves, elders. Take heed to yourselves. Your walk. Your own personal godliness. Your own personal holiness. The way in which you're living your lives. Take heed to yourselves. Great pastor John Owen said once, a minister may fill his pews, his communion role, the mouths of the public, but what that minister is on his knees in secret before God Almighty, that he is and no more. It's not about what people see from the outside. It is, what are you on your knees before God? You are that and no more. It doesn't matter what everybody sees around you and how perfect they think it is. What are you in your relationship with God? His calling to the elders here first is take heed to yourselves. Take heed to yourselves. Where is your walk with the Lord? Where is your communion with the Lord? Where is your life of godliness? How is your time in the word? How is your time in prayer? Are you in a healthy place? Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. This is important to look at here. We have elders here at our church. We're an elder-run church. We have elders that are here to serve you. We're very careful in the way in which we appoint elders because our desire isn't to make elders. Our desire is to recognize what God has already done. Who are the elders that God's made? Because he says here, among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. It wasn't a group of guys that made another group of guys. It is the Holy Spirit that makes people to serve in different positions because he calls them to this area. So take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, to the congregation, to those that are a part of that fold. This is a church. There's a desire for us to go in the near future towards having formal church membership. It matters. Who's a part of the flock? Who, do we, who, who are we to give an account for? Who are we to be ministering to? We want it to be where the church says, like, this, this is my church. I belong to this church. I am under the elders of this church. They are overseers of my soul. The Holy Spirit has placed them in that position. I serve all the rest of the body, and they serve me. And we are in a place of serving one another because God's placed that here. And having it be where there's accountability that's there and encouragement there, and we belong one to another. He says, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock. Among the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. The church is precious. We're to shepherd, we're to minister, we're to care like that. He purchased us with his own blood. And 
verse 30, it says, Also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. So not only does he call them to take heed to themselves and to the flock and to care for them well, but also a warning. There's going to be people that rise up and they're going to speak perverse things. They're going to try to draw draw disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. There are those that desire to come in and to cause problems. There's those that desire to come in and to preach false doctrine. There's those that desire to come in and pull people away in which is things like Jesus isn't really God or you're not saved by faith alone or the Bible is a good book but it's not without it's not it's not in a place where it's without error these are all things that the devil used to bring all kinds of problems and lead all kinds of people away there's doctrines that are absolutely essential that all of us believe and is what is found in the pages of scripture that is without error the deity of Christ salvation that comes by faith alone doctrine of the trinity depravity of man sinfulness of man need of repentance faith in Christ purpose of the church how we're to serve how we're to minister there's things that matter as we study through doctrine and we'll be studying through various doctrines in our community groups coming up and as, as, as we are in this next section and, and looking at it to where there are things that matter and is it biblical here he's saying I warned you with tears every night and day I didn't stop I wanted you to be warned of those that would come in and try to bring in false doctrine and pull people away. It's important for us as we serve you, for me as I serve you. There's times in which you'll hear me say things like that this particular teacher is a false teacher. This particular doctrine is a false doctrine. Run from it. And there's times when people come up and say, like, you know, you really shouldn't use people's names. shouldn't call out that particular pastor because you just used his name. And I'll just tell them, like, what they're teaching is false. You need to know who it is. You need to know what they're teaching is false so that you can see in Scripture what is true. There's warnings that go out because God's called us to do that, even if it's not the most politically correct thing to do today. He's calling them, these elders, warn the congregation with tears. Warn them. Night and day, warn them. Why? Because we want to be in a place where we're doctrinally proper and right, orthodox. We know what the Bible says, and we think biblically on these things. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. I pray for you. I'm there to pray as well. There's a, such an absolute need for us to depend upon God in prayer. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. It's about his word. What does his word say? Which is able to build you up And give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. God's word. The word of his grace. It's able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. An inheritance that's up in heaven. And so he goes from there to say, and this is how I lived among you. I've coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. 
I have an inheritance in heaven, and I didn't covet your gold. I didn't covet your silver. I didn't covet your apparel, your nice outfits, what you were wearing. That wasn't the way Paul thought when he was there. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who are with me. I worked. I was a tent maker. I was not a lover of money. I didn't covet your possessions. I was not in the ministry for the purpose of money, for financial gain. Verse 35, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. Minister to those that are weak. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Be in a place of how can I serve? What can I do? How can I give? It's far more joyful to give than to receive. I didn't want your stuff. I had an inheritance in heaven. I wasn't about the money. I was there to serve you. And the exhortation to this church here in Ephesus and the emphasis to this church here at Reverence is may we be like this as well. May we think like this. He's saying, this is what I want to leave you with. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and he prayed for them all. He prayed for them. This morning, we see the final words of the apostle to this group of elders from Ephesus. Calling them so clearly. what their message should be, the humility in which they should live, the love in which they should have for one another, the way in which they should think about their lives and counting their lives dear to themselves or not counting their lives dear to themselves, the way in which he preached, the way he viewed material possessions, not shunning from proclaiming the, the whole counsel of God. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God take heed to themselves and to the flock to be in a place where they were properly ministering to the church it wasn't about how to build the biggest thing they could possibly build it was may God work in you here's what you're called to do here's the humility and the godliness and the truths in which you should stand on labor like that support the people that are weak it's more blessed to give than to receive live like that and he just knelt down and he prayed for these elders and they all wept freely and fell on paul's neck and kissed him they loved him not only did he love them but they loved him there was a sweet sweet relationship that was there a precious relationship in which they loved him They wept because of the words which he spoke that they would see his face no more. And then they accompanied him to the ship. And he left. These are precious words that are for us as a congregation as well. May we be a congregation that thinks more about how we are towards one another, our relationship with the Lord, the message in which is proclaimed, the humility in which we live, being in a place where our desire is to be biblical, listening to the counsel of the Apostle Paul to a church leadership there in Ephesus at that time. 
It applies absolutely to us. And I pray that our church would learn to be more and more biblical in these things. With that being said, we are going to pray and spend time in communion. Um, I want to exhort you that the, the, the time of communion is to be a sweet, precious time for God's people to come and to remember him. Pastor Jim Milligan will lead us in communion. But this time, is, it's, if you're an unbeliever here this morning, there's great warnings that are given in Scripture to not partake in communion in an unworthy manner. And so I just ask you just to pass the tray on as it goes through. And, uh, or may today be the day in which you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins and place your faith entirely in him. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for this time in, in your word. And we thank you for our time to worship together. May every part of our worship service and communion time be that which just brings glory to your name and joy in our hearts as we remember the great work in which you have done for us on the cross. These saints, they loved the Apostle Paul because they loved you. Paul loved them because he loved you. You were the center of that church and every part of it in the ministry in which they had been called. And I pray that, Lord, on this morning that you would be the center of all that we do and that we would find ourselves just exalting you and praising you with all that is within us. We ask this in Jesus' name.